On this week's episode of the Friar Town Pod, Matt and I will recap the Friars 2-0 week and we'll preview the Big East Tournament, the Friars matchup on Thursday at 2.30 against the Butler Bulldogs, and we'll give you our predictions for the Big East bracket. All right, let's go. What is up, Friartown? Welcome to episode four of the Friartown Pod. I'm Nate Carrero. Alongside me here is my co-host, Matt Shaker. And Matt, PC, hottest team in the conference right now, headed into the Big East Tournament this weekend, man. Yeah, they sure are. You know, past month or so, they got the best record in Big East play. You know, they're, they've won their last six. What more can you ask for? And two great games this week, so let's start with last Wednesday against the Xavier Musketeers. Providence pulls that one out, 80-74. to 74. Yeah, um, I mean, PC was ahead big time in that first half. They let Xavier get within nine at halftime, and Xavier outplayed him in the second half, actually, to make that game a lot more interesting than it seemed it was going to be in the first you know, 15 minutes or so. Yeah, you know, I mean, Xavier is a good team. You know, they were bound to come back. They're very, very big. You know, they only start one guard. And, you know, whether or not uh, Paul Scruggs, the starting point guard, is in or out, I mean, they they still – he was out, but they still started Quentin Gooden, Goodon, who, you know, he's a senior. He's been starting – he had been starting until this year, since his freshman year, when Edmund Sumner tore his ACL. So he's got plenty of experience, a good player. Um, so, you know, I mean, they start, when, you, when you're when you going up against a team that starts uh, two 6'9 guys, a 6'8 guy, and a 6'7 guy, that's a lot of length there. And, you know, PC didn't do too badly on the boards. Yeah, I mean, 26 rebounds compared to Xavier's 31. They definitely contained Tyreek Jones a lot more than they did in that first game in Cincinnati back in early February. Jones had, I believe, 18 rebounds in that game. He went for 9-9 nine and nine last Wednesday. So, I mean, it was really the Najee Marshall show for the Musketeers. Um, he had 25 points, led their team. Other than that, Fremantle put up 13. Kiki Tandy off the bench, 11 points. By the way, before that, the Musketeers were 7-0 and in conference play when Tandy scored double digits, so that was their first loss when he did that. But PC shot the ball well from three, nine for 22, 41%. I mean, 25 points for Diallo, 23 from Pipkin, 16 for Duke. I mean, those were the big guys for Providence last Wednesday. But like I said, they were up big, and it looked like it was headed for a blowout, but Xavier came storming back, and that was a game the Musketeers needed. Yeah, you know, it sure was. You know, I mean, you can never count out the Musketeers. All season long, you know, I mean, they were ranked early in the year. They were preseason ranked. Yeah, I think they were. 18, 19, yeah. You know, they're a good team. And one where PC kind of beat them was uh, 
obviously PC was out rebounded by five rebounds, which it's a decent amount, but it's not. You know, you can overcome that. Turnovers. Twelve turnovers for PC compared to fifteen, which three yeah, for for Xavier, which may not seem like a lot, but it's a decent amount. It's enough to make a difference. Yeah, I mean, PC, they've been playing a lot more clean, you know, these past couple weeks, and that, you know, speaks to their six-game winning streak. I mean, you look a lot of these box scores during this winning streak and their turnovers are, you know, 12, 11, 10. I mean, when you're playing clean like that and actually getting shots up on possessions, I mean, this team's dangerous, 80 points on a very good defensive team in Xavier, by the way. I mean, they don't let up 80 points very often. I'd like to see how many times they've actually done that this year. Right. And, you know, I mean, the big the big factor in it, the big statistic for the game was Xavier didn't have a lead the entire game. PC yeah. was up by 15 at one point. You know, I mean, they cut it back to six, but it never, in my opinion, never really seemed like that close of a game. No, it wasn't. And like I mentioned before, that it, it's crazy how it came down to that Lawan Pipkin sh- three-pointer with about a minute left to go. I mean, PC was only up one coming right out of the timeout. You figured, you know, that's probably exactly how they drew it up. And, you know, they go up by four. Xavier has an opportunity after that. Misses the shot, gets a rebound. PC eventually gets another rebound. Two free throws, up by six, seals the deal. But you're right. I mean, it felt like it should have never come down to that. Right. And, you know, you, you look at Defensively, PC, Duke had a big game. They had four steals. Pipkins had three. You know, that's where seven of your eight steals come from. Of course, Reeves had the last one. But, you know, I mean, defensively, they were just terrific. You know, they seemed to be able to take the ball off Xavier's guards at will. Yeah, I mean, like like we, like I said before, I mean, it was basically Marshall and nobody else. I mean, they only shot 16 threes. You know, Xavier's not a really big three-point shooting team outside of, you know, well, their guards. Yeah, exactly. They don't need to be, for the most part. And, you know, I mean, Tariq Jones, he's 6'9", 240. He's a big guy. Yeah. And he's one of the best rebounders in all the country. And he's a great interior scorer, very good presence. But he's going to be graduating this year. Yep, and you had that news about... Najee Marshall, right? Isn't he? Yeah, Najee Marshall's going to enter for the draft after this season. You know, as soon as this season concludes, I'm sure he'll he'll be entering. And you know, he's averaging 16.9 points, 6.2 rebounds, 3.9 assists. He's leading their team in assists per game, points per game, and he's second on their team in rebounds to Tariq Jones. Yeah, that's that's that, going to be a big loss for the next yep, year. Yep, with Scruggs too. I right. mean, not good in. Right, as so, far as the junior. Yeah, so, I mean, Xavier's going to be losing a lot of pieces after this year. Tough hit. I mean, so are the Friars, though, right? And by the way, that was the fourth game the whole season that Xavier allowed 80 points, both of their games against Marquette and one of them against Seton Hall. So let's move to Saturday's matchup in that complete <laughs> route. Of the DePaul Blue Demons, Providence beats them by 38 points. If DePaul didn't hit that three at the end, they would have lost by 41. That would have been PC's biggest conference win ever. Actually, 38 is. 38 38 is actually the greatest difference, not only in PC history, 
what in Big East conference history. So I mean that was an incredible performance. DePaul puts up fifty five the whole game. Providence scored fifty five in the first half. So I, I'm pretty sure everybody on that court wanted to get out of there after the first twenty minutes. But nonetheless, let's take a little bit deeper dive into this game. The starting lineup, absolutely incredible production. All five guys score over a dozen points or over. Uh, Watson with 18, Pipkins with 12, Diallo 17, Duke 16, Reeves 19. They shoot 10 for 23 from three, 21 to 26 at the free throw line. I mean, what a senior day. And everybody saw the court, by the way. Even Fox and Dempsey. And it gimped up Malik White. He got in there for three minutes, obviously, on his senior day. Yeah, and you know, what I kind of find a little bit shocking about DePaul is maybe they're not as talented as an all-around group, as Providence, as Creighton, as Villanova, as Seton Hall, as Marquette, as those top-to-mid-tier teams in, in the standings. But they are still filled with talent. They, you know, they have Charlie Moore, who's a, who's a transfer from Kansas. And they have Paul Reed. Granted, Paul Reed didn't play. But still, off the bench, they have DJ Williams, who's a 6'7", 6'8", 6'7", 215. Forward. He was a four-star recruit. He's a transfer from George Washington. You know how many minutes he played? He played 15 minutes Sports. off the bench. Yes. He doesn't even start. Nah, scored six points in those 50 minutes. They also have all Big East freshman Romeo Weems, who PC kept quiet throughout the day in his yeah. 33 minutes, only six points and four boards. Yeah, and I'm seeing him in Madras for next year as a lottery pick. You know, Romeo Weems is a, he's a very good player, great athlete, can shoot the ball a little bit. You know, he's got a very bright future. But the other guy that comes off their bench that nobody talks about and that truthfully, in my own personal opinion, hasn't really gotten much opportunity this year is Marquise Jacobs. He's a 5'11 freshman guard, but he was a, he was a four-star recruit coming into the season. He comes off their bench. Hardly plays. You know, when you, know, when you have the depth, or potential talent, I should say, that DePaul has, like Jacobs being so young, you got to play him. Jalen Coleman-Lands averages 11.5 points per game. He's one of their top three-point shooters. He's a senior. He'll be... It's kind of a long story, but he'll be applying for a medical for a, a, a another year next year. He only played sixteen minutes. He's one of their top scorers. He only took three shots. Yeah, he got in foul trouble. He did have four. Yeah, but you know something. I he didn't have all four in the first half. I don't think. No, no he didn't. And they he should have been out there taking shots, running him off screens, getting him open before it really got out of hand. He I mean, only PC, took three shots all game. Right, PC ultimately wound up going up by 45 at one point. But, I mean, that never should have happened. You know, I mean, I could pick apart Dave Lido's scheme or whatever you want to call it for days. I mean, that was just terrible. Yeah, I mean, they got a good young core. I mean, they will be potentially losing Coleman Lands, and you would figure that Reed is going to take his talents to the next level. So, obviously, that's their best player. Reed, by the way, did not play on Saturday I'm not entirely sure if he's going to be available for their game tomorrow night against Xavier we'll get to the Big East tournament a little bit later but I mean instead they started Darius Hall again and Darius Hall was very instrumental in their last win against uh, Marquette against Marquette yeah 
And, you know, um, Darius Hall, he, he played so well in that game against Marquette. He had 11 points. He had 7 rebounds in 30 minutes. He was a 52% free throw shooter going into the game. He hit 9 out of 10 free throws. Against PC, it was a different story. He was 1 for 7 from the field in his 17 minutes. He had 2.6 rebounds. And he never got to the free throw line. You know, that was big, too. And, you know, I don't... I made a comment a couple seconds ago about Dave Lado. I don't mean to take anything away from him. You know, the last time... You know, this is his second stint at DePaul. And the last time that DePaul made it to the NCAA tournament, he was their coach. But, you know, and that I'm just getting on about that particular game. Because it really... You know, I mean... They could be doing something differently. You know, DePaul's not going to win anything. you got to play a young talent. Especially when you have Paul Reed out. I get Darius Hall's... You know, a sophomore, he's young and whatnot. So I get that, but how do you not play Nick Agenda? I mean, he had four fouls as well. Ten, ten points off the bench. It was, you know, the second highest on the team behind Charlie Moore's 14. I mean, that kid could potentially be very good with his size. Uh, 6'11", I'm not sure how much he weighs, but he's, he was a big boy out there on the court. Yeah, you know, he's 6'11", 210. So he's kind of skinny. He's very mobile. Yeah. And, you know, he's going to be the real deal. You oh, know, for sure. He played 19 minutes. It was about half the game. And he put up a 10-6 and six in 19 minutes? Yeah. I mean, how do you not get that guy more playing time? 10, 10 points was actually, again, this season high. They barely played him throughout the year. Um, I, I don't know why. You, you wouldn't, right? I mean, I understand if Reed's in the game, he's obviously going to take away some of those minutes. But, you know, I mean, Jalen Butts is very solid, but... Butts is a junior. Butts is in your future. No, exactly. And he's proven that, you know, over the years that he's just going to, you know, he's just a role player. Yeah, give you 10 and 5. And yeah. Not much more than that. I mean, he's not bad, but he's not going to win you anything. Exactly. We're in a couple of years. Ongenda, he could give you something. He could help form a core that could compete in the Big East. For sure. I mean, DePaul's future is definitely ahead of them. I bet they wish that um, Mr. Reed would stay an extra year, but nonetheless, so, PC, first time in school history with 12 conference wins, I know we talked about it last podcast, but, I mean, absolutely incredible, considering where this team started, I mean, they were 6-6 six and six in the conference, 12 wins wasn't even, that was more than a pipe dream at that point, but, they win their last six games of the year, they finished fourth in the conference, only one game behind the three-way tie for look, first between Creighton, Seton Hall, and Villanova. Look, you can call it fourth place all you want, but it wasn't fourth place. It was second place. You know what? You had three teams ahead of you. You've, they all finished in first place come together. I get they can only be one, num- one number one seed, one number two seed, one number three seed. And that's how they're, quote, fourth place. But they're only a, f- a game behind the first place team. Oh, exactly. I mean, and you, you think of all the games that they lost, I mean... They weren't really in the Seton Hall game in, you know, Newark. That was the only one, really. And then the St. John's game was... At St. John's, that was... Yeah. But another I mean, they one, lost to Villanova by four points. Yeah, home. the other four games, if they lost it to was Creighton right there. Four. Blew that game. Blew the Xavier game. They were up with a couple minutes left in that Xavier game. Butler at home, they scored five points in the first ten minutes. Yeah, exactly. You know that's not going to happen again. It, it better not happen again. Well... <laughs> we need a lot better than that on Thursday, so... Let's let's just look at some preseason 
polls in from the Big East coaches. So their poll to start the year was Seton Hall first, Villanova second, Xavier third, Providence tied for fourth with Marquette, Georgetown six, Creighton seven, Butler eight, St. John's nine, DePaul ten. So they got, they got a few of those right. Yeah. They missed the mark on a couple of those big time. The way it really ended was Creighton one, which they had seven. So that's I mean, that just quite spe- far off. That's not really realistic there. That that speaks volumes to the job McDermott's done with that team, though. Oh yeah, you know when you think of coach of the year candidates, the only two guys you can really think of are McDermott and Cooley. Yeah, it's a two horse race. I mean, we, when we're watching that DePaul Marquette game, and I for I forgot who the broadcaster was, but he had a um, co coach of the year, Cooley and Kevin Willard. And when I saw Kevin Willard, I'm like. Seton Hall was picked to be first to start the year, and they choked it away this last week, by yeah, the way. They were number one. They could have sealed it with a win. Yeah, you know, I mean, Seton Hall's just loaded. Yeah, Willard Coach of the Year is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, he's, I'm not saying he's – I mean, I got respect for all the Big East coaches, don't get me wrong, but yeah. there have been a lot better jobs done throughout the conference this year. So Creighton, the final season standings here are Creighton 1, Seton Hall 2, Villanova 3, Providence fourth, Butler Marquette, and then in, on Wednesday night we'll have Xavier seven against DePaul ten and St. John's eight against Georgetown nine. So like I said, they got a couple of those right there, you know, St. John's and DePaul there at the bottom, but Creighton and Butler at seven and eight. I thought that was kind of ridiculous. I mean, those teams are definitely better than Georgetown. Xavier at third was I don't even what was up with the Xavier hype at the beginning. You know, I don't really year. get it. I really don't get Me it. Me neither. I mean, I never looked at that team and was scared. Like, No, I mean, you looked at them regardless. and you knew they were going to be good. But to rank them in the top 25 and not some of the other teams around the country, you know, that's, that's a bit much. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, truthfully, I mean, Georgetown finished ninth, but they lost to Kinjo at the beginning of the year. They lost LeBlanc. And now, you know, your seven and McClung are their two best players, and they've both, they both been hurt. Most of, big East, most of Big East play. Yeah. So, I mean, Georgetown I mean, sucked wind on those injuries big time. Yeah, I mean, they, they were screwed. How, I mean, you can't really expect much more than them finishing ninth. Yeah, I mean, 5-13, and 13, they probably would have finished closer to 500. Yeah. With those guys. Um, probably wouldn't even be playing on the, oh, the no, play at night so. on Wednesday. You know, truthfully, I think that with those guys, they could be fighting for a 4 or 5 seed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They would, they would have been a lot more competitive... Um, you know, Georgetown, it's tough. I mean, Ewing's done a good job there, but he just, real tough year for that program. So speaking of preseason polls, um, the Big East first team voted by the coaches at the beginning of the year was Marcus Howard, Miles Powell, Najee Marshall, Tyshawn Alexander. All four of those guys made the all Big East first team. The fifth guy picked in the full, the poll, Alpha Diallo. Uh, he did not. He made the second team. The other two guys that made the first team were Sadiq Bey and Kamar Baldwin. Howard, Powell, and Bey were all unanimous. The second team was highlighted by Diallo, Paul Reed, which we just mentioned, Tyreek Jones, which we mentioned before, Colin Gillespie, and Marcus Zegarowski, who we have big news on. We'll uh, say that later. And then, as we just stated, Yurt Savin and Quincy McKnight were honorable mentions for the Big East. Yeah, and I mean, you have the all-freshman team, and you have Romeo Weems, Julian Champagny from St. John's, 
Justin Moore from Villanova, Jeremiah Robinson Earl from Villanova, Zach Fremantle from Xavier, Kiki Tandy from Xavier. But, you know, I mean, you, you, know, you don't see Greg Gant's name on that list. And rightfully so, statistically, those guys are in a different class. But when you look at the impact that Greg Gant's made this year defensively, coming in and giving them quality minutes. Yeah, I mean, definitely a bright future when he, when he gets the minutes load in years to come, you'll see those numbers inflate a lot more. Yeah, you know, I think even next year, I think Gant's going to be a monster. Yeah, I mean, he's going to play a lot bigger role next year with, you know, the five departing guys. Um, a lot of guys are going to get their role bumped up, including the guys that haven't dressed all year for them. Yeah, I mean, you have Noah Horschler. He's a transfer. Six nine, six eight. True from the outside, rebound. And Bynum's going to get his minutes. Yeah, Jared Bynum. He'll be a starting point guard next year, transfer from St. Joe's. He absolutely tore it up at St. Joe's last year. Yep, so... As a freshman. Yeah, exciting young talent next year for the... I mean, Horschler will be a senior, but, um, you know, Bynum, what, he would just be a sophomore. Yeah, Bynum will be a sophomore. And then, you know, you can't forget about Jair Davis. He's a 6'6", 6'7", forward coming in. You know, he was one of the top players in in his draft class before he got hurt a couple of years ago. And then teams kind of forgot about him. So, you know, he could have a real bright, bright future in Providence. And then you have Alan Breed coming in. He's a, you know, he's a 6'2", 6'3", combo guard. And they say he can score from anywhere on the court. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be an exciting time in Friartown. I mean, isn't it right now? And by the way, PC averages 10,000 fans per game for the first time in 16 years. So, Honestly, that's a testament to you guys listening, everybody buying tickets and going to those games. I mean, plenty of games this year in the Big East, especially when they were on the roll, that that dunk was packed. I mean, I can't even remember, like, game after game, it just being so full like that. And it was it was just such an awesome environment this year. And Cooley spoke to it after the game on the court against DePaul on Saturday. Yeah, you know, there's been a couple of games this year that, I'd say the last time that the that the dunk was I ever saw the dunk this packed was when Marshawn Brooks had his two fifty point games in two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten, you know, against Notre Dame and when Pittsburgh was ranked number one. You know, Pittsburgh was ranked number one. I mean, you can't expect anything else for that team again. You know, for that game. Yeah, I mean, so Friartown, you guys brought it this year. I mean. I don't know how many of you will be uh, showing up at MSG this week, but be loud and proud there, guys. You know, the Providence is going to be one of the larger fan bases there. Villanova always, you know, packs MSG, and obviously St. John's playing in their home city. But the Big East Tournament, we're going to get to that right after this break. Matt and I will preview the Providence-Butler 4-5 matchup on Thursday. And we'll give you our predictions for the Big East bracket. All right. Thursday afternoon, 2.30 p.m., Madison Square Garden. Be there or be square. Just kidding. Me and Matt will not be there on Thursday. (laughs) Maybe Friday and Saturday if Providence does advance. Exactly. But nonetheless, for the third time in five years, the Providence Friars will draw the Butler Bulldogs in the first round of the Big East Tournament. The Friars split with the Bulldogs this year. 
both away teams won. Uh, we talked about the first game before. Yeah, you know, that first game was nuts. 18 points in the first half. They scored five points in the first 10 minutes. It's 40 minutes in a game. That's a, that's a quarter of the game. They only scored five points. Yeah, PC scores 18 in the first half of that first game. 40 in the second half. So it just shows you, like, in those last 30 minutes, you know, how the offense just turned on. And... You know, the second game was kind of the same. A low-scoring game. Providence wins that one 65-61. That's what really got this run going. When PC was 4-4, four and four, they needed a big win. They beat Butler, got that first of those five ranked wins in a row there at Hinklefield House. Huge game for Lawan Pipkins. 22 points, went 10-10 for 10 at the free throw line. Let's hope it's, you know, more the same of that rather than the first game. This upcoming Thursday, Matt. Yeah, you know, I mean, the first game was just crazy. And, you know, the second game, yeah, it was a four-point game. PC only beat him by four. You know, PC's largest lead was eight. But Butler's largest lead was six. So, I mean, the game wasn't really decided at all throughout that game. It didn't really ever seem like it was. And, you know, a, a, the biggest stat of the game, I'd say, is the three-point percentages. PC shot 30%, six for 20. Butler, they were one for 14 from three. And that one was by Jordan Tucker, transfer from Duke. Yeah, uh, in that second game, all five of Butler starters, Baldwin, Golden, Tucker, Enzi, and McDermott, all scored in double digits. They only got one bench point from Smits in that whole game. They also didn't have Aaron Thompson for that second game, one of the better defensive guards in the league. So they will have him for Thursday. They are fully healthy, Butler. Um, yeah, but, you know, I'm not too afraid of Butler. I mean, Butler's a good team, don't get me wrong. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned a couple moments ago, very low-scoring games, both of them. Well, if you think about it, both teams, their identity is defense, not offense. Exactly. That should be, to be, that should be expected. With that being said, you know, I, current, I uh, put my numbers into a cruncher, and uh, we came out, I came out with a projection for that game. My, uh, my cruncher projected... PC would would score 71 points, and Butler would score 66. Yeah, I mean, PC's offense has been a little bit better than Butler's this year. The defense kind of on the same level. Uh, Butler is actually ranked right now. They are 24th in the country, so if PC does win Thursday, that would technically be their sixth consecutive win over a ranked team. And, you know, I really can't figure it out how Butler's ranked 24 right now. And PC's ranked 27. 27, yeah. They were second among the teams receiving votes. The only team ahead of them receiving votes was... Stephen F. Austin. Stephen F. Austin, which is projected to be a 12th seed in Joe Lenardi's bracket, so that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but... Yeah, given PC's projected to be a 7 in every bracket I've read over the past two days. Yeah, I mean... I, I, I really don't get it. I mean... I would take PC over Butler. I actually think PC is going to win that game on Thursday in their previous two meetings. So Dunn senior year, they beat Butler in the first round. And then last year, they played Butler on the final game of the year, beat them, and then they beat them handily in the first round before losing to Nova in the semifinals. So speaking of little predictions, how about we do that ourselves here, Matt? So tomorrow night, we got two games. The first game, number eight seed, Georgetown. Number nine seed St. John's, who you got? I got the Red Storm. Yeah, playing a home game. I'm going to go with the Johnnies, too, there. Uh, they're 
they started coming on a little bit at the end of the year, despite not having Mustafa Heron. Um, they lost, three point shooter. Yeah, they lost him for the year, but Anderson's got that team playing well. I'm going to go with the Johnnies in the first game of that doubleheader, and then number seven, Xavier, against number 10, DePaul. Uh, I'm not entirely sure about Paul Reed's status yet, but regardless, I'm going to go with X in that one. Who do you got for there? You have to go with Xavier there. I mean, DePaul's really falling off a cliff this year. You know, they started out the season hot in non-conference play, and they've really, they've just gone straight downhill. With Paul Reed or without Paul Reed, you know, the main guy is going to be Charlie Moore. And, look, Charlie Moore's a very good player. He started out with California, and that was when they had their last 20-win team. And that he started all every game as a freshman on that team. Don't get me wrong, Charlie Moore's a very good player. But Charlie Moore on a good day is not as good as Lamont Pipkins on a good day. And as you guys that do follow us on Instagram uh, saw, I did post you know, my key matchup of the game the other day against the Paul. And my key matchup was Lamont Pipkins and Charlie Moore. And, you know, I. Just be, you know, Charlie Moore is, he shoots roughly 35% from the field. You know, he's averaging 15 points, six assists or so, but, you know, when he's your best player, not to take anything away from him, but when he's your best player, you're going to be in a little bit of trouble. He's not Paul Scruggs, and that's, that's going to be his matchup in that game. Yeah, I, I don't see DePaul pulling that one out, but who knows? I mean, they did beat Marquette last week, so yeah, anything can happen point, in the Big a, East this year. They beat <laughs> them by one. They, they beat Marquette by one. That game was that score is very deceiving. You know, Marcus Howard hit that three with one second left off the inbound. The game was already decided, as long as he didn't get fouled shooting the three, which wasn't going to happen. But I mean, they got lucky. Like I said before, DePaul, Dante Hall, I'm sorry, Darius Hall, was nine for ten from the free throw line in that game. That's not going to happen again. He was shooting 52% from the free throw line going into the game. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I see DePaul's season coming to an end on Wednesday night. So let's go to the second round. So the quarterfinals here in the Big East tournament. And the first session, the first game of the first session will start at noon. Creighton will play the winner of Georgetown or St. John's. You and I both pick St. John's. And I'm going to be honest with you, man. I'm going to go with the Johnnies over Creighton. We mentioned before we had some news about Marcus Zagorowski. He will be out all week. He's getting orthoscopic knee surgery or something like that tomorrow. So I would be surprised if he's even ready for the first weekend of March Madness. And think about it. I mean, Creighton doesn't have a whole lot of play for it. They're locked into a, you know, two, three seed in the tournament. St. John's obviously needs to win this tournament if they want their season to keep going. Nate, I'm going to go with Johnny's. I have to agree with you. And, you know, the last time that St. John's and Creighton met, St. John's blew them out by 20. And Zagorowski played that day. Zagorowski is one of the best guards in the league. Yeah. They're you big know, three combined for 27 yeah, points. Marcus Zagorowski, Tyshawn Alexander, and Mitch Ballack. They, you know, Zagorowski averages 16, over 16 points per game. Alexander averages almost 17 points per game, and Balak averages 12 points a game. You know, I mean, those that's their big three. They're all outside shooters, and they combined for four three-pointers and a total of eight for 36 from the field. You're not going to win a game when that happens. And the thing is, the reason why I don't think it's a fluke 
is because all season long, St. John's, their defense, their defense has been the key to their game. It's just been so suffocating. They'll take the ball off you in a hot, in a hot second. Yeah. And they're not going to give it back. They're still a gritty team regardless if, you know, arguably their best player is on the court or not. So the second game of that first session, we already told you our prediction for that one, uh, PC versus Butler. So we're Matt and I are both going to go with Providence there. So we'll go to the night session here. Villanova, number two seed, will play the winner of the Xavier-DePaul game. We expect that to be Xavier. I'm going to go Nova here, but they did sweep Xavier on the season, but Xavier held them to 66 points per game in those two contests. So as we talked about before, you know, Xavier's a tough team. Villanova's really not that big. So, I mean, it is tough to beat a team three times in a year. If I had to put my money on it, though, I'm going to go Nova here. Wouldn't be surprised if X pulled it off, though. X desperately needs this game. Yeah, you know, I, you know, regardless of who wins, who loses, I think it's going to be an excellent game. You know, the last time that Villanova and Xavier met, Villanova won by nine. There were Xavier never had a lead, and Villanova got the lead up to sixteen. You know, that wasn't really a close game. Um, the time before that, that they met, they. Uh, I think they only beat him by like five or six points. Villanova. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Villanova and Xavier, the score was. I think it was sixty-eight to sixty-two. Um, Xavier. Yeah, it was. It was a six-point game. Good defensive team, but I'm just not sure if Villanova. they can beat Villanova. It's going to be basically a home game for Nova. Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be interesting. I think that six points it's could be a six-point game, if not closer. Don't rule out the Musketeers. Yeah, I was thinking Xavier here, but I don't know. I'd be really going out on a limb saying St. John's and Xavier are going to knock off the top two seeds. So let's go to the 930 matchup. Seton Hall and Marquette. Now, you and I were looking at the ESPN bracketology before that, and Marquette is all of a sudden on the bubble, which I totally agree with. They have absolutely skidded to end this year now remember they started off conference play not so well got on a hot streak ran into pc pc beat them and ever since then really they haven't played that well so they're on a bubble i mean is this a must win game for marquette uh i wouldn't say must win i think they're gonna get in regardless i mean i think you got to put marcus howard in the ncaa tournament yeah for marketing reasons I, i agree with you on that I think Seton Hall is going to win this game. Seton Hall beat Marquette pretty handily both games this year. In their first game, Marquette scored. I mean, Howard scored, I think, 27 out of Marquette's 55 team points. In the second game, he scored 37 out of the team's 79 points. So it was basically Marquette, uh, Howard doing it all for Marquette in both games. I just, I don't think they're going to beat Seton Hall. I really don't see it. See, I'm not saying that they're going to be Seton Hall, but don't be surprised. And the reason why I say that is Seton Hall hasn't been playing their best right now. See, I mean, I get neither team has, but, you know, I I like my upsets. I think that Marquette is a very good team. I think that they had the best guard in the best scoring guard in the country and Marcus Howard. I think Howard's going to go and get his, and I think that the key to that game is going to be 
what happens with Kobe McEwen and Brendan Bailey offensively. You know, both those guys, they're capable of going off for double-digit points. Bailey could get up to 20, I think. And, um, you know, like I said, Howard's going to get his. It's what those other two guys do. And Sakar Annam, who's actually their second-leading scorer. If, that ha- if they're able to pull that off and those guys have good games, it could be interesting for Seton Hall. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I was alluding to, kind of. Like, they really need that secondary scoring behind Howard to be there to really win any game, but especially against, you know, a top, you know, 15 team. Right now they're 16 Seton Hall in the country, but they've been playing so like you a know top what? 15 team all year. I'm just going to go with Marquette on this one. You're going to go with Marquette? All right. I'm going to make my bold prediction. So, so Matt's locking in Marquette. So I think that's our first difference here. So let's go to the semifinals. So, hey, we're going to have a difference somewhere, don't we? Hey, I don't think we're going to have a difference in this one. On uh, Friday, 6.30 p.m., we got St. John's moving to the semifinals against number four Providence. Didn't really work out very well for the Friars. Last time they played St. John's, and even the first time, Friars played really ugly. I think the Friars are going to win that one and go to the finals. Matt, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, you know, St. John's, at St. John's, they beat PC by 11. They were up by 15 at one point. But you got to look at the turnovers in that game. PC had 23 turnovers. St. John's had 13. That's not going to happen again. 23 is the most that PC's committed all year. And look, I, St. John's, you can't say enough about their defense, but... The way Pipkins has been playing, knock on wood. The way White's been playing when healthy, and he's going to be back. Knock on wood. The way Duke's been playing, not turning the ball over so much. Knock on wood. Those are your three ball handlers. I don't see them. I don't see the Johnnies forcing 23 turnovers again. Nah, I think if the Johnnies do win those first two games, I think their little tournament magic will stop there. Yeah, you know, I mean. In that game, too, St. John's was 9 for 21 from 3 for 43%. That's not happening again, either. No, Especially no not without Mustafa Haran, where LJ Figueroa and Mustafa Haran on the year are the only two three-point shooters shooting over 30%. Yeah, and PC holds teams to around 30%, I think maybe even under 30%. So that was one you know of that's a fluke. the higher percentages against them. Exactly. So I think if St. John's does beat Georgetown, does beat Creighton, they will not get through Providence. I don't even think they'd get through Butler for that matter. But nonetheless, let's go to the 9 p.m. game on Friday. So we both got Villanova in this game. You have Marquette. I have Seton Hall. I think Seton Hall will beat Villanova. Seton Hall beat them in their first meeting. Just lost by two last week against Villanova, a game that both teams really needed in terms of seeding. I got Seton Hall going to the finals. You got Nova and Marquette. What you got there? You know, I, it's going to be a tough matchup once again. But I'm going to go with another upset. I'm going with Marquette with Villanova. Oh, okay. Wow. The four and the six in the finals. I like it. And honestly, the way the Big East has been going this year, I wouldn't doubt that there's plenty of upsets throughout, you know, later this week in that tournament. Yeah, and you know, last time that Villanova and Marquette played, Nova only beat them by one. And that was at Villanova. And the time before that that they played them... You know, Marquette beat them by 11. Yeah. I mean, Marquette, Marquette can do it. If the other guys are working for them, I mean, Seton Hall, that is a tough, 
draw in the first round considering they were just the number one seed a few days ago. Yeah, you know, by the way, Marquette beat Villanova at home by 11. Marquette was up by as many as 20 in that game. Villanova was only up by one. That was their largest lead. One point. So... In that matchup, how can you not go Marquette? Yeah, I mean... That's fair, right? If I, I picked Marquette stick to, it, to win that game, I would have thought about it, but I'm going to run with Seton Hall going to the finals against PC. And to be honest with you, man, I'm going to have Seton Hall taking the Big East this year. I just... I, I felt like that was the only team that... I, that was the only team I w- would not feel good PC playing. And we talked about it before, though. I mean, you didn't want to draw Seton Hall or Creighton in that first round, right? So we were talking... Uh, Seton Hall or Villanova, rather. And we were talking, so PC had to get that third seed, had to get that third seed so they could play Creighton at that second seed. Well, what a crazy week in this past... You know, for the Big East this past week. Creighton gets that one seed. You're happy, Providence, as the fourth seed now because... That side of the bracket, Butler, Creighton, St. John's, Georgetown, is nowhere near Villanova, Marquette, Seton Hall, Xavier. That is definitely the tougher portion or tougher half of the bracket. So I think Providence definitely has a pretty good path to get there. Um, but I just think when they run into Seton Hall or if they run into Seton Hall at 6.30 on Saturday, I'm going to go with the Pirates. I got to go with my Friars here. I have to. You know what? They're the hottest team in the conference. They've won their last six. They're coming off a 38-point victory, which is the largest in conference history. Man, how can you not go with your Friars, Nate? I'm so disappointed in you right now. I just, listen. <laughs> I'm just playing. But I think, I honestly think they're going to make the finals. Like, even if they don't play St. John's in that second round, they're going to be Creighton without Zegarowski, in my opinion. They're a better team than Creighton when Zegarowski is not on the floor. 100%, in my opinion. I would take Providence, even if Zeg was playing. If PC gets there, they'll have won thir- oh, I'm sorry, 13. They will have won eight straight. Seton Hall's been struggling a little bit lately, Nate. They, yeah, they had a tough week, and we were talking about it yesterday in the off-air show. They started out, what, 9-0 and in conference play? They finished 4-5 and in the second half of conference play, I mean, maybe they were playing over their heads a little bit. Maybe they're not, you know, a top eight team or whatever in the country. But, oh, man, yeah, you know just what? scares the PC's living got hell the out best, of me. PC's got the best record over the, over the past month in the Big East. Sure, they might have finished fourth. But, you know what? I'm going to go with the Friars. They're the hot team. They clearly have the talent. Pipkins is, well, seems at least... I'm finally healthy. And, you know, when Pipkins is healthy, the Pipkins is scoring the ball the way that he showed that he could at UMass for three years. That's a different team. So, Friars win it in your bracket. Who is the Big East Tournament MVP then? Luan Pipkins. Luan Pipkins. He's going to keep it rolling, huh? The Pip Show. Look, this team reminds me so much. Look, I'm not saying that PC's going to win the national championship. I'm not even saying PC's going to get to the Sweet 16. But for the success that PC's going to have moving forward, it's going to be keyed in on Juan Pipkins, A.J. Reeves, Alpha Diallo, and Malik White. Because those are your four guys that you got to get some scoring out of. And how can this team not remind you of the 20... 
11 UConn Huskies team that won the national championship. And like I just said, I'm not saying Peace is going to win the national championship, but they had Kemba leading the team. I saw a small little guard. It kind of came out of nowhere, sort of. You know, UConn wasn't expected to make the tournament. They got hot late. And they weren't even expected to make the NCAAs, like I just said. And it was just crazy. Yeah, they, they won their conference. They won the Big East. The old Big East, too. The old Big East, yep. And Pippins is having a run so far like Kemba did. And they also have Jeremy Lamb on that team. Yeah. And who's Jeremy Lamb? A.J. Reeves. Hey. You know, if this was to happen, I think you got to get a performance like Jeremy Lamb did out of A.J. Reeves. Yeah. That's yeah. my whole point there. If Reeves can do what he did Saturday against DePaul and, you know, other games that we've seen him, that Creighton game at home where he put up 22, uh, I think if Reeves is going, this team is going to be extremely hard to stop. So this is the seventh year of the new Big East, by the way. Providence has won at least one game in the Big East tournament five out of the six years prior to this one. So like we said before, Thursday, 2.30 p.m., that game will be on FS1. I know a lot of you will probably be working in school, whatever, um, if your school hasn't canceled because of the coronavirus, which, by the way, the Ivy League thing today, bullshit. It's killing me. That's crazy. I get that the coronavirus is an issue. Let the kids play. It's but, ridiculous. You know, have it, have the tournament with no games. I mean, exactly. with no games. I'm sorry. With no fans. It's just play a four-team tournament anyway. Play a close tournament, if that's the case. Yeah, that's what the Mac's doing. Look, these kids, they're around people anyways. If these kids are going to get it, they're going to get it. But I think the reason is more for the fans. If you take the fans out of it, I don't see any reason why they still can't have the tournament. And to be honest with you, if I'm Harvard or I'm Pennsylvania, I'm not very happy about this because I think both those teams have a legitimate shot at beating Gale yeah. and winning the Ivy League. The The tournament would have been played at Harvard. Harvard swept Yale 2-0 this year. So how do you think they feel right now? Like They're like, we, we've beaten these guys twice. We can take them on in our home court. One game they finished back of Yale, by the way. One game they lost to Brown this weekend, Harvard. They got swept by Brown, believe it or not. But they lost to Brown. They would have had a tiebreaker. They would have had to play a tiebreaker game for that tournament bid. Um, it's it's an absolute shame. It really is. I mean, you got to feel for those kids. They work their whole lives to play in the NCAA tournament, play on the big stage. And when you think about it, okay, you don't want your Ivy League schools, you know, playing in front of crowds are just playing in general because of the coronavirus whatever in a week Yale's going to be playing in front of thousands of people at the NCAA tournament it makes no sense it makes absolutely zero sense and that really pissed me off when I saw that today what does make sense and I completely understand and partially agree with what you're saying but when you look at where the the student bodies of those Ivy League schools a lot of the kids that go to those schools are going to be going to the tournament if the tournament was to happen. Yep. And a lot of those kids are traveling in and out of the country. And that's where the threat is posed, kids bringing in the coronavirus. I understand that, but still, like I just said five times, there's no reason why they shouldn't have the tournament as a closed-door tournament. Exactly. Exactly. No fans! Make it simple! I know. I mean, Ivy League used to be one of those leagues where the... um regular season winner got the automatic bid and they a few years ago whatever they transferred to a four-team tournament but 
I don't know, that really upset me. So speaking of the NCAA tournament, we're going to put the most stock into ESPN, although Providence pops up as the same seeding across of all the major brackets. Joe Lunardi has them as a 7th seed right now compared to last week when they were a 9th seed, so they've moved up two spots by beating Xavier and DePaul. When you think about it, they lose to Butler. They're not going to hold that against them. They'll probably stay around a 7, maybe playing that coin flip 8-9 game. But if they can win some games here this weekend, Matt, that could be a nice little 6 next to Providence's name. If they win the whole thing, you could be looking at a 4 or 5 seed. They, yeah, five. You're just, what, you're considered a top 20 team if you're a five seed? Hell yeah. Put Providence there. Yeah, and you know, what I can't figure out is how is Butler favored, according to ESPN's predictor, 59.3% chance of winning. At least PC at a 40.7% chance of winning. See, I don't think the matchup is that far away. You know, you want to favor Butler. All right, the 24 team in the country, PC's 27. You want to favor? You want to have Butler your favorite? Go for it, but a nineteen percent difference in the likelihood of them winning? I'm not going with that. No, I'm not a big fan of that either. I really, I don't know. I don't see how. I Providence is the better team right now. They're playing better than Butler. I mean, Butler did win three in a row to salvage their season, but they were. 7-8 and eight at one point. They had to win their last three games. I mean, it was against St. John's, DePaul, and Xavier. But, I don't know. I just, I'm not a huge fan of Butler. I don't, I don't see it. I think PC's a better team than them. I don't know how they're ranked higher than them. I understand the resume and everything. But, we're talking right now. There are not 26 teams in the country playing better than Providence right now. There's no. probably like five. If that, you know, and I mean, I'm not saying put them as a top ten team. Obviously, their resume doesn't, you know, warrant that. But let's be real here. Look, even San Diego State, who was undefeated the majority of the year, they just lost again. Yeah, they lost their conference tournament to Utah State. Utah State got that automatic bid. Yeah, it's going to be one thing for sure is it's going to be an interesting rest of the season, not just for Providence, not just for the Big East, but for college basketball. And you know, I just I hope and pray that fans are going to be able to see these tournaments in the NCAA tournament. I mean, we know that uh, NCAA officials are currently discussing. Um, yeah, about allowing fans uh, in yeah, for, for the NCAA week. tournament. Yeah. That, honestly, I wouldn't even be surprised if they canceled the NIT, considering how like unimportant that tournament really is. And if they're – I mean, these, these, those games are held on school campuses. You know what I mean? Yeah, last last year PC hosted. Yeah, so I mean a more, majority of those games they play the finals at Madison Square Garden, but I don't know, man. I I hope and pray that fans are going to be allowed into those games. I mean, otherwise I'm going to pick a lot of the top seeds to win. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean, you look at some of the brackets and you see PC playing as Arizona State, LSU, Texas Tech. Yeah, we talked about LSU last week. They're 0-3 against ranked teams this year. Not a very yeah. impressive resume. Arizona State, on the other hand, I haven't really looked too much into them. They're 20-11 and 11 on the year. They finished third in the Pac-12. Pac-12, eh, I mean, nothing to sneeze at, but give me the Big East all day over the Pac-12. I'm not really in love with any of those teams over there. 
Uh, I just, I don't know. I'm going to definitely take PC in any first-round matchup they draw, regardless of their 7C, 6C, 5C, whatever. And, I mean, depending on matchup in the second round, this team could very well be playing into the second week of March Madness. I don't want to get totally ahead of ourselves, and we'll obviously do an episode next week recapping the Big East tournament and previewing March Madness. But the way this team's playing, I mean, they're playing like a top 20, top 15 in the country, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, PC, they've just been on a roll. And you can't say enough about Ed Cooley, how he's managed to nearly right the ship. And Pipkins, he's been a leader for this team. Malik White stepped up. Granted, Malik's been hurt the past couple of games. He, was, he unfortunately was only able to play three minutes on his senior night. Yeah, that kind of stunk for him. But at least he got in the game and, um, you know, got to, you know, enjoy what, what he could out of that. So, so here's a question for you. Yep. According to this bracket here that I'm looking at. CBS? Yeah, CBS. It has the number one seasons. Kansas? Dayton. Baylor, Dayton, and Gonzaga. Yeah. Would you be scared of any of them? And if so, who? Um, The ones I'm most scared about is, honestly, Kansas and Dayton. I just, if you're playing Dayton, I mean, they have by far the best player on the court. <laughs> They went 18-0 in conference play this year. I mean, granted, the A-10 is shit. Yeah, they didn't lose, yeah, they didn't lose a game in the conference this year. Um, they took Kansas to overtime ruin the year. Dayton is the real deal. I mean, whatever portion of the bracket they go into, I'm probably going to pick them to go to the Final Four. But eh, if PC ends up in that 8-9 game, I'm not... Ah, Baylor, they've been skidding lately, and... Gonzaga, I'm sorry. St. Mary's has given them a handful right now. I'm just San Francisco gave them a handful last night. They only beat them by single digits. Yeah, you know what I'm eh, looking at. I've have never really been a Zags fan. Yeah, you know, I personally I like Gonzaga. I wouldn't particularly be as scared of them as the other number one seeds. Baylor and Kansas in particular scare me. Uh Dayton, like you said, eighteen and zero in conference play. That's terrific. Still, look at the conference. It's not yeah, the it's, you know, it's not the Big East. It's a little baby conference compared to Big East. Though. Right, you know, it's kind of like Wichita State in past years. Yeah. Where Wichita State kind of rolls and then they're still competing, but they're not still rolling through. Yeah. You know, Wichita State was undefeated a couple years back going into the NCAA tournament. They lost and, in the second round to Kentucky. Right. So I mean and they were never ranked number one either. No. And I don't think I, I really don't think teams in those Little conferences playing irrelevant teams all year deserve to be number one, to be quite honest with you. But Dayton is definitely a team I'm scared of. Obviously, Obi Toppin has got a good shot of being National Player of the Year. So Yeah, and you know, so does Marcus Howard. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Miles I mean, Powell should be up there probably. PC, He'll get PC's some consideration. team and their size plays well to a guy like Howard. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, they have and if he doesn't get, of Pipkins. If he doesn't get 50 whistles a game, he, you know, scores like half the points that show up in the box score. Right, you know, I've noticed in recent games, a lot of the points that Howard's gotten, they've been when the game's already decided. Like that three that he hit with the one second left off the inbound. Yeah, exactly. DePaul, when DePaul was down four. You know, but I'm looking at the CBS bracket right here, and it has PC playing as a number seven seed, playing against LSU as a 10. And if PC beats LSU, which I think is going to happen, 
They'd be playing against the winner of Florida State, number two seed, and North Dakota State, who's a 15 seed. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, this bracket is, in terms of matchup and where teams are going to be, is all hypotheticals. So we don't really know exactly who they'd be playing. But, I mean, uh, I, I'm not really – I'm not scared of any first-round matchup for PC. I think in the round of 32 – they could definitely beat one of these top-tier teams. And you never know how this thing goes. I mean, the way college basketball has been this year, I expect a lot of upsets. Just in recent years. Double-digit seeds making the 16 seed. You know what? Like, Sweet 16. Like, they could they could end up being one of those teams that plays, you know, lower seeds mm-hmm. up into the Sweet 16, up into the Elite Eight, gets those favorable matchups because of prior upsets. So, I mean, obviously you can't predict these things, but... Hey, we'll see on Sunday where they go, man. Yeah, you know, I, I I want everybody to know I expect them to be there at Providence College. Yeah. Right on campus. Alumni Hall. We're going to be there. Um, we'll post, like, where we are if you guys want to come and say hi. If Matt and I actually um, end up going to the Big East Tournament, if PC, you know, advances to Friday or Saturday, we'll post that we're there. If any of you guys want to come and say hi, we'd love to meet you guys. We'd love to meet the listeners. Uh, any, you know. We just want interaction with you guys. Us, we, together, family fries, right? Always. And, you know, one last thing having to do with this bracket from CVS. Creighton as a two seed and Belmont as a 15 seed. What do you think? I think Belmont is low. That's 15 is low. And if Zeg's not there, I I know the 15 seeds only won like a handful of times. That would be something I consider picking. I mean... Eh, I've never penciled in anything higher than a 12 seed, I think, in the second round. You know, because if I do that, I just kind of feel dumb. But Belmont's got a good squad. Um, they, they always play PC well whenever they're up on the schedule. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how Creighton is. We'll see what happens to Creighton this week. They might even fall from a two seed if they lose in that first game. So, I mean, we'll see. But Big East Tournament starts tomorrow, Wednesday at 7 p.m., Guys, pay attention because in that St. John's Georgetown game, that could be the team that Providence potentially plays in the semifinals. Thursday is when your Friars take the court at MSG. They play number five Butler. Like we said before, they split with Butler this year. We expect both teams to be fully healthy. Not entirely sure about Malik White's status yet. Like we said, he only played three minutes the other day, missed the Xavier game last week. But Matt and I, we gave you our predictions. Hit the casino, put some money on it, right? <laughs> we'll see, man. But Selection Sunday, Sunday, like we said, we're going to be at Alumni Hall. We'll post on our Twitter, on our Instagram, where we are. Come say hi. We'd love to meet you guys. And with that, Matt. Let's go Friars. Fry pot out, baby. Let's go PC.